Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Wasn't that a beautiful song that Izzy sang for us this morning and all the beautiful, swirly, prophetic things that she brought us into and we're going to work as a tag team this morning. Are you comfortable with that? You get two for the price of one and, and we're going to just tag together. Um, we've come this morning, not just because we invited, we're invited, but because we love the church. And you know why we love the church? Because Jesus loves the church, man. <laughs> one of the key things he said before he left, he says, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And what a joy that we get the opportunity to build the church with him. That every time we are built up, the church is built up. Because we are the church. Amen. The church isn't this building, although it's a beautiful building. Not quite as beautiful as ours, but it's beautiful. <laughs> ours is 200 years old and very difficult to heat and cool and maintain. It's cost us a million and a half dollars and you wouldn't notice it. It just <laughs> sucks in money like a big black hole. But we love it. It's what we call home. And uh, what's interesting is that the, the Prime Minister of Australia spent his early years in our church. We weren't there, of course, but uh, <laughs> that's where he grew up. He grew up in that church. His dad's a good friend of mine. And uh, we, we first met him, John Morrison, 20 years ago. We got to Sydney and needed a building. And he... His, the church he was an elder in had just moved and combined with a church in Bondi Junction. And so we got to rent that building and, and, you know, had a lot of dealing with Scott's dad and his mother who ran a, they run an a amateur theatre company. And so they used to practice in our church every three months of every year. Um, and I just think it's God that we get a... Christian Prime Minister, the first Pentecostal, charismatic Christian Prime Minister that we know of in the Western world. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise for that. And unexpectedly, everyone, not, not, any, not, not any poll, not any exit poll, not any en entry poll, whatever an entry poll and an exit poll is, I don't care. Every poll got it wrong. I love that. I love it. Let God be true and every man a liar. Everyone who's left-wing and this and that, and believe we, we believe this and we believe that, well, everyone was up, every, every apple cart got upturned because God will always have his way. And so we're in an extraordinary season in the history of Australia where we need to be praying and lifting up our voices and, and accelerating what God's doing because it'll be a window that we have. We don't know if it'll be three years or six years or whatever, however long, but we have a window of opportunity to pray for our Prime Minister, to pray for our nation, to see kingdom government come in place, to see kingdom authority released in our land. And you know how it happens? Through you, through your family, through your interaction with people at work, through your interaction with your neighbours, cafe owners, wherever you have interaction, you're, you're able to advance God's kingdom and His goodness. Amen. So here we are, and we, we, we love these guys. We, we have known them half their life, 
and uh, the better half of their life. I've got to stay within the white tape. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is, a, it is an honor to have friends of, that are two decades of your life because that means there's longevity, and God is into longevity. He's into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's into generations. He's into long-term friendships. He's into building. Building takes a long time. It always costs you more than you think it will. And always takes more time than you think it will. Those are two guarantees. And if we apply that to the body of Christ, it's taking us longer than we anticipated and it's costing us more <laughs> than we thought. Izzy and I have six kids, beautiful, six beautiful children. Two of them are married and we have a grandchild. So that, isn't that awesome? And uh, our children teach us so much. They, they have taught us so much over the years. They've taught us patience. <laughs> They've taught us unconditional love. They've taught us many other things. But some of the things they do is they just amuse us. They teach us joy and how to laugh. And, and when our kids learn to sing, they all sing very well. And, and they have songs all the time. And, and they don't always know the words. And, and I once I was listening to my daughter sing, and she, she was singing, We want to see Jesus lifted high. It's better than flies across this land. <laughs> One of our other children. <laughs> and that's true. We can add that verse, and then one of them was singing, Grind us together, Lord, grind us together. <laughs> I, I wrote a song once called, We're Looking for a Breakthrough, and, and they, one of my kids sang, We're looking for a grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a, a pop song, a Christian pop song when we were growing up, and our kids were listening to it, and, and it, it's... Uh, the, the line goes, Jesus is, Jesus is all right with me. But he says it quite fast. I think Tubby Mac. And my, my son's saying, Jesus is a rocket man. <laughs> we know who the rocket man is. We won't go there. Another one's saying, Jesus, we will phone you. Jesus is just good, and, and he wants us to see his goodness this morning, because when Moses was before the Lord, and he said, show me your glory, God said to him, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And so every time we're together, like we were this morning, and we sense the presence of God, and we know that he's singing over us, and we know that he's close, what are we feeling? We're feeling the goodness of God. That's why we can draw near to Him with confidence because we know we're not coming to a fire, a flame, something fearful, something judgmental, something where we, you know, are we going to get beaten up this morning? Are we going to get judged? Are we going to get smacked again? No, we're actually approaching a throne of grace where the goodness of God is manifestly evident. It says of Jesus, He went around doing good. He went around doing good. Come on. That's what he did. Jesus was a do-gooder. He went around doing good and healing everyone oppressed of the devil. And he said several times, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. 
So he was going around doing good because the Father wanted him to do good. We've come to do good this morning. Every day of your life, you can go around doing good because you are carrying the very DNA, the very life force of Jesus inside of you. Come on. So we're, each of us, are, we're all do-gooders. We do good. We bless people. As he told the story yesterday of the cafe I go to, and, and I am addicted to coffee. It's been 20... It's been 25 years. <laughs> My name is Finney. <laughs> and I don't want to get delivered. I'm very happy. Addicted. And uh, so I'm at, I'm at the cafe, and this, the owner of the, the cafe is bowed over. And, and I said to him, Sam, what's, what's going on? He says, well, several months now I've had, a, I've had a bulging disc, and I've got a pinched nerve, and... And I don't know, I've tried, I've spent thousands of dollars, that's what he told I've spent thousands of dollars on chiropractors and acupuncture and physiotherapy, and nothing has made it better. He could not stand straight. He, he walked like this for five months. And I said to him, Sam, I can fix that. And he doesn't know how church go. In fact, he's quite anti-church. I've tried to get him to church. I've invited him to musical evenings. I've invited him to very unreligious events that we run. I've, I've done everything I can to entice him across the road. But, but it, it would take him three minutes to get to church from his place. But he hasn't come in. And so we've got to go to him. And I've told him a few stories of different miracles that we'd seen, particularly to do with backs and people who have chronic back conditions and people who had pieces missing in their back and people who had had trauma from, from uh, spinal injuries and people. I, I told him a few stories, just over three or four minutes. And I said, we can do it right here in the cafe. You haven't got to go to church to get a miracle. Amen. Amen. So he said, whatever. <laughs> you know, if people haven't seen a miracle, they don't know that's an option. Especially there's no cash involved. We all think we have to pay for something. Salvation is free. Come on. And then you tithe for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Out of gratitude, of course. Because you have to. But I sat him down in the kitchen. I went back in the back of the kitchen and I sat him down and I prayed. And I just sat him down and there was a big discrepancy in his, in his, in his spine. There was a, about an inch difference. He never knew that. I said, did you know that? He said, no, I didn't know that. I said, well, you watch your leg. I'm going to close my eyes. Helps me to concentrate. But you... Watch, your, this leg is going to grow and, and something's going to adjust in your spine and you're going to be healed. And he's like, whatever. He had no faith. I had faith. His leg grew out. Took about 30 seconds. I said, try and stand up now. So he, he got up. Now he's, he could hardly sleep. He's on major pain tablets, medication. He just st straightens up and you can see him looking very surprised. Shocked. Now he's standing completely normally. Hasn't done it for five months. Wow. And he's like, this is amazing. I said, well, thank you, Lord. I said, I'll come and check on you in a couple of hours. And I went to work. <laughs> and, I, and I came back a few hours later. I said, how's, how's the patient? He said, now I've got to work. <laughs> but then you know what he, did? he went around telling all the people at the different tables. He said, this guy, this guy healed me. And I, I kept saying, Sam, wasn't me. It was Jesus. I'm just a delivery boy. You know, the gifts, the gifts of God that God's given us, whether it's healing, salvation, prophecy, tongues, they are gifts, but they aren't our gifts. They're gifts that we give away. 
Every gift you get from God is a gift to give somebody else because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Anyway, he just continued. He was well. He was telling everyone at the tables what happened to him, and he hasn't charged me for coffee ever since. Come on. (laughs) So I get to feed my addiction for free. That's God. Because of all my tithes I've given over the years. Come on. It's payback. (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit this morning because He's such a vital part of our lives and such an incredible third person in our lives that we need to know about Him. Many of you do. Probably nothing I'll say this morning will be new, but it's true, and it's for a time, and it'll encourage you and push you forward. Are you happy with that? And if you read in Acts chapter 1, Jesus addresses disciples and says, he says, wait in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And they're like, okay, we can do that. And they have no idea. Amen. Someone says it to you, you have no idea. What does that look like to be clothed with power from on high? 40 days later, they're in the upper room, as you know, 120, waiting on God, praying, waiting. Tongues of fire appear. This is Acts chapter 2. It says, tongues of fire came and a mighty rushing wind. They weren't anticipating that. And then they all began to speak in other languages as the Lord gave them utterance, the mysteries of God. They were praising and proclaiming God's glory in several languages because And there were known languages because all the people that were there for that festival came and and when the fire came and and the fire truck came and all the things came, then everyone was there and they were like, what's going on? And they didn't know what was going on, but they were uttering these mysteries of God. They appeared to be drunk because Peter had had to explain they're not drunk, so they look drunk. What does that look like? Well, you know what that look looks like (laughs) because some of you have been drunk, very drunk. It looks awkward. It looks messy. You, you feel like, where do I put you? Can't you stand up on your own? Why are you holding that pole? Don't drive. So the, that was the manifestation of Acts chapter 2, and it was extraordinary. And Peter got up, and he preached an amazing sermon. In Acts chapter 4, it says they, the whole house where they were staying was shaken. The place that they were in was shaken. And it says, and they all spoke, again, began to prophesy and speak, and, and speak the mysteries of God. And that was different to Acts 2. So we see an Acts 2 experience of, of tongues of fire and, and, and the, the, the utterance of the gifts of mis, mis, mysteries of God and drunkenness. But, and I imagine there would have been people in those days, they would have thought, those guys who were there, maybe 10 of them would have thought, we want to have that again. Lord, we're going to go back to the upper room. And wait again. But you see, when you've had, when you've waited and you've got it, then you have to go to John 3, where it says, the wind blows where it wills. You don't determine where the wind you know, blows to or comes from because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He decides the manifestation, the outpouring, what it looks like. And as much as we would like to be able to put things on repeat, and I'm there too. I'd like to repeat. I want the Acts 2 meeting every week. If you go to our church, it's tongues of fire, wind, drunkenness. 
How many are with me? You'd like that every week. Amen. When I'm in heaven, I'm going to the drunken room. I'm going to be there, tongues of fire and wind. There'll be other people who'll be in the quiet room. You go there. You have fun. <laughs> I'm in the drunken room because that's what I want. It's my preference. But you see, I want to say to you, I'm not the person whose preferences are being honored every day the church gets together. This is about the Holy Spirit. This is about us as people who know Holy Spirit being able to say, where's the wind blowing this morning? This morning the wind was blowing towards the prodigals. I don't know if you're listening. God was helping us to have faith for prodigals. And every Sunday it'll be different. Every time we get together, it's going to be different because Holy Spirit's not going to repeat everything that He does. So otherwise we become religious and we form a, 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 what's the word? Yeah, a liturgy. A liturgy. And then we start to say, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Then Holy Spirit, you can have three minutes. It's like, hello? Holy Spirit is while we're here. Holy Spirit is God. He's not a helper just to come alongside and be, be, be a wind every now and then. He's God. He's manifesting Jesus on the earth. Jesus said, I will, I will send another one, the same as me, Alos Parakletos. He'll, he'll, he'll do exactly what I've been doing on the earth, except when I was on the earth, I was restricted to one location. So if I was in Victor Harbor, I'm in Victor Harbor. I can't be in Sydney at the same time. When Holy Spirit comes, He's going to simultaneously be, be here in Victor Harbor, in Sydney, in Peru, in, in New York, all at the same time. And everyone experiencing God in different ways because God's not going to do the same thing every single time. So I want to say to you, that's our job as Christians is to lean into Holy Spirit, to know Him, to love Him, to think, oh, that's Holy Spirit. I wasn't expecting that. Well, because it says the wind blows where it wills. So we have to just be available. We have to be sensitive. We have to say, God, please come. Anyway, I'll take Acts 2, I'll take Acts 4. What happened in Acts 10? I'm glad you asked that question. In Acts 10, Peter's at Cornelius' house. He's preaching. While he's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls. He wasn't expecting it. They weren't expecting it because they were Gentiles. In fact, the Jews were quite surprised that the Gentiles got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Isn't that annoying when someone gets blessed more than you and you weren't expecting it? Because they were undeserving, reprobates, still living in sin. Sam gets healed. He's not a Christian. Maybe he is, actually. I don't know. Maybe that got him saved. He hasn't come to church yet. Or typed. <laughs> Maybe I need to get healed of something tonight, this morning. Acts 19, Paul goes to Ephesus. And he comes to the disciples and says, Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And they say to him, We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I love that. Some of you this morning need to get filled with the Holy Spirit because you didn't know there was another option. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you got saved, you got salvation package, but didn't know there was a sunroof. <laughs> Come on. And air conditioning. And mag rims. And a turbocharger. <laughs> Come on. 
But how are we talking? Now you see all the men just went like, Bing. yes, I'm with you, brother. <laughs> so Acts, Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 10, Acts 19, different experiences. Same Holy Spirit. All I want to know is that every time that we get together, that we have Holy Spirit in our midst. That we don't clone, we don't say, this is that, this is it, this is our little straitjacket, we've got things worked out. Because when you, th- when you think you've worked things out, you probably haven't. When you think that you've got God in a box, He no longer lives in a box. He actually said that. He was in a box. He has moved to a people, a holy people, a royal people. And so I want to say to you, how can you respond to Holy Spirit? What is, the, what is the response I can make as a person, as an individual, as a member of the body of Christ, as a living stone in this beautiful thing called the body of Christ? I'm so glad you asked. I would love to share that with you. You see, what it is, is a flock of birds. And I look out my window, there I live in Sydney, and I look at and I sometimes see these flocks of birds and they fly, and they turn. All of them, 30 birds flying, and then they, sh- they turn like that, and then they turn like this, and then they turn like this. And I'm like, how do they do that? How do they do that? It's an extraordinary, beautiful thing to behold. You can watch flocks of geese migrate, and you can f- watch it happens when there's a flock of birds together. They fly, and they turn together. I'm like, maybe somebody who's a Bird lover can tell me how they do that. Radar, inbuilt, someone's a leader. I feed lorikeets, I'm a bird lover. Every day they come to my deck. And, and I, I watch them, they're eating, and then they fly off together. I don't see them discussing it. <laughs> I don't see the one bird turn to the other, shall we go? Had enough? Should we go to Bob's place? <laughs> Nothing. I don't know what they knew, but they don't fly off Sometimes they fly off individually, but most of the time is a pair of them, and they just go, go. I'm like, wow. There's some inner sense. There's something connecting those birds. They fly together. And so I want to say to you, the first thing is, get connected to the body. Maybe you're on the out. Maybe there's three of you this morning, and you're just checking out the body. Yeah, I'm not sure about church. I like church sometimes. Well, I had a bad experience of church. Hey, if you haven't yet been in hurt, hurt in church, it can be arranged. <laughs> I have been hurt in church. And I lead the church. I got sheep bites. You think it's a lamb, it's a full-grown sheep, man. It can bite you. I'm like, whoa, my leg back. <coughs> See, there's no excuse for being disconnected. The, the, the body and the hand and the nose and the ear, we need each other. So no one's saying you have to be cloned. No one says that if you join a church, you've got to become like this person or that person. No, we want diversity. We want every generation, we want every culture, every tribe, every tongue, every genre of music. We, we want the whole package. We don't want to say, this is what worship music looks like, this is what church should look like, because we actually haven't a clue. Yeah. Yeah. The early church, number one, was singing Jewish songs. 
in a Jewish genre, which we as Westerners haven't a clue. So if you go to West Africa, you're going to hear West African music. And if you go to other parts of the world, you're going to hear that kind of music. And God loves the whole lot. He loves rap music. He loves screamo, even though I don't. <laughs> really. That's not my preference. I grew up on James Taylor and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. I, I love stuff with melody. I want to recognize a, a beat. But you see, God is not moved by my preferences, but he wants me to love what, what I love. Because that will bless him. No point in singing songs you don't like. Singing genres you hate. Come on. But you need to be connected to the body. Get into the flock of birds so you can flow with the body and learn how to flow. Learn where God is moving. Because if you're connected to the body, then you're not going to become a spectator. Spectators are criticizers. They're just checking out the church. Well, I wouldn't have said that. Well, I wouldn't have sung that song. Well, I went too loud, too soft, too short, too long, too high, too low, too hot, too cold. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> like <laughs> you see, because if you're a spectator, you're not participating. But when you're in the game, it's like, give me the ball. Yeah, you got the ball. I'll, I'll get behind you. You got the ball. That's all right. I'll get behind you. Because when you're just building, you've got, you got, a, you got a, a, a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, and you're too busy building to come down from the wall and to listen to the, yeah, 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 the body of Christ, the church, the church, the church. Hey, the body of Christ is my body. I don't criticize the church, not any church. Never mind our church. I don't criticize the Catholics. I don't criticize, because they, they're my body. I walked with Father Bernie last week. He was walking there to my, my daughter's school uh, to, to drop something off. He's the Catholic, he's the priest there, and I'm his, I'm his friend. So we walked, he's in his robes, and I'm just like this. Because we're the same body, I don't care, he's in his ro robes, he's got earrings. He's got a couple of tats, he's a very cool Catholic priest. <laughs> and we're walking along the road, on the footpath, sharing ideas, having a laugh. We pray for each other, we love each other, we honor each other. I, would, I couldn't go to a Catholic service, I did it for 15 years, it drove me balmy. But it doesn't mean I don't honor who they are and what they stand for. And Mother Teresa and an incredible work that the Catholics have done. Have they done terrible things? Terrible things. But it's not my job to criticize them. No one put me in the job of judgment. Aren't you glad about that? I love Anglicans. They think we're weird. Some of them think we're a cult. And I don't care. <laughs> I love them, and when they plant a church or do something, I give them money, and we pray for them. And we, when Hillsong does something, well, they went through a tricky time two years ago, something happened, some scandal in the paper, we spent a whole night of our, wor our worship night and prayer night, hop and bowl, praying for Hillsong. Why? Because we love Hillsong. When Hillsong does well, we think, yay, they're our friends. <laughs> People get saved every week, yay, the kingdom of God is advancing. But you see, I'm connected to Jubilee Church. That's my local church. It's where I connect. It's where I'm accountable. It's where I grow. It's where I bring my gifts. I might have administrative gifts. I might have musical gifts. I might have entrepreneurial gifts. I'm a, I'm a generous giver. I have the gift of giving. A person who has a gift of giving doesn't just give 10%. They're like, what's that? They have the gift of giving. They give in proportion to their wealth, which is far greater than the average person. They have a gift, Romans 12, the gift of giving. I think that's your gift. Then don't give them the microphone 
to the person who has the gift of giving because he'll make a mess of it. He hasn't got the gift of communication. That's a gift. How many know some people have that and some people don't? Some people have the gift of continuation. <laughs> what a gift of the Spirit. So why am I saying all this? Because you've got to get connected to the body. If you want to know Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I love the verse that Alex read to us this morning in the foyer as we were preparing this morning um, uh, from, from Ephesians 3. He, 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 it says this word, together with all the saints, we're able to grasp how high and how wide and how low and how deep is the love of Christ. You see, often we can think that to know the love of Christ, it's, an, it's a just me and God thing. Deep, Lord, deep. Oh, take me deeper, Lord. Ooh, I can feel it. It's deeper. And there is, a, there is a definite element where you can encounter God's love in deep ways. But you see, there's another way I can experience God's love. is through hospitality, through a hug, through prayer, through empathy. Those are manifestations of, of God's love that I've, I've only experienced through the church. The manifestations of God are manifest to the earth and to the powers and principalities through the church. That is the manifestation of God on the earth. We are His body. So I'm saying this morning, get connected to Holy Spirit through the body. And if you don't know what's going on, ask someone, do you know what's going on? That person had a vision. What on earth was that? Why is that person over there shaking? And they might or might not be able to explain why that's happening. Sometimes I don't know what's going on. Peter, he, Peter said when everyone was ha having hang tongues of fire above their heads, he said, oh, this is from Joel 2. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and sons and daughters will prophesy and young men will have visions and dreams and dream dreams. I'm like, no, it doesn't say that. Well, it doesn't say that you're going to have tongues of fire in the wind. But he said, this is that. It's not exactly that. <laughs> but this is that. It explains God is moving and we can't quite find a perfect verse to explain it, but I think that's the best I can offer right now. But it's God. Clearly God. Because the fruit of it is they were all bold and they began to change the world and that's the fruit that we want. The boldness and changing the world part. Amen? So Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a, a force. He's not a wind. He's a person. And I want to encourage you, you lean into, you, you connect to the body, however that looks, your attendance, your contribution, both your gifts and your finances, your leaning in when the, when, when the leaders say, let's do this. If the flock of birds is going that way, then just, just join in. If it's a thrust on evangelism, a thrust on the kids' ministry, if it's a thrust on outreach, whatever it is, whatever the thrust is, if you want to experience the presence and the power of God and get momentum, just go with it. Might not be your preference. Just go with it, though, because you're in the flock of birds. Amen? See, in the, in the kingdom of heaven, we've got a family. The church is a family, and our nuclear family, our fizzy family, is a family. And we have dinner, let's say, at 6 p.m. At 6 p.m., phones get, get, get put aside, because we have eight iPhones in our family. Six kids, lots of phones, lots of things going on, lots of gadgets. So we say, no, we're going to talk now. We're going to have face-to-face, -face, not Facebook, face-to-face. -face conversations. We're going to actually interact with each other. How would that be novel? <laughs> and so we talk. But you see, I, I, I won't tell you that you should have dinner at 6 p.m. I, I won't tell you that you should put your phones away. I won't tell you anything about your family because it's your family. Do what you like. Knock yourself out. 
Have fun. Make it, make it your family. And so all I'm saying is that we have a family here, the family of the body of Christ, Bayside Church. It's a family. Get in the flock. Move together as a flock. So in the worship, when God starts to sing over something, an element, a, a, a word, just lean into that and say, well, don't think, oh, I don't know who that's for. I've got no prodigals in my life. I've got a whole family full of prodigals. Come on. I was crying out for them right this morning in your church. I'm praying for my family in Holland, my family in Ireland, my family in Australia that aren't saved. Come on. Why? Because God said, that's where I'm blowing this morning. And that's the way to lean into God. When people start to sing in tongues, just sing along. Just think, I'm not going to be the observer here. Just checking it out. I'm going to lean in. Why? Because that's when you're going to grow spiritually. If you observe, then you just know about stuff. When you participate, you become the stuff that you're learning about. And that's the difference between stagnation and momentum. God wants us to have growth. And to grow, lean in. Everything God does, say, I'm leaning into that. I'm uncomfortable. Yesterday we had people prophesying, some of them for the first time, taking objects out of a bag, and just you got 30 seconds, bring a word. For some people that was very stretching, just to, on the spot. Amen? Was it stretching? But we applauded them because they had to go. It wasn't perfect, but every one of us were edified and strengthened through the prophetic words that were given. Why? Because we, God knew, hey, these are my kids having fun. They're having a go, and I'm going to breathe on that because I love my kids being enthusiastic about the things of the Spirit. And I'm going to hand over to my wife now, and he's going to take us into the second half. Let's bless her as she comes up. She's amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Annie. That's awesome. What good news. So good. And thank you for having us. We so love being with you and are enjoying our time. It's good to enjoy people, right? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to start off by telling you a dream, and I'm going to kind of dovetail into what Finney's been speaking about, Holy Spirit. And in this dream, I was um, crossing the road from an, a, a home I used to live in where we immigrated to South Africa, and it was called Old Main Road. I was crossing the Old Main Road, <coughs> and halfway across the road, which is quite wide, a man, very tall man, came and met me. And he said to me, as in the middle of the road, he said, um, you have just missed the 5.30 bus. I'm like, oh, okay. So then he turned around and kind of, began to walk me across the road, which, and our, the bus stop was actually where I lived, exactly across our gate. So we're walking towards the bus stop, and I'm thinking about the next bus, and he says, the 6.20 is coming. But we didn't stop at the bus stop, we just went in the direction that the bus was going, and had gone, and began to walk there. And I turned to him and I said, you seem familiar to me. Do you come to Jubilee? He goes, yeah, I've been to Jubilee. And as he smiled, his teeth were way too white. And I remember in the dream, way too white to be normal. And I woke up. And I said, Lord, who was that? He says, oh, you just met an angel called Issachar. And he said, Issachar um, is going to teach you something. Issachar comes from a, an army that actually used to lead a tribe called Issachar. And if you look at the 12 tribes, you see amazing attributes from all the tribes of Israel. 
I love the tribe of Issachar, probably because also short for Issachar is Izzy, and I feel like kindred spirit. But I went and checked out the numbers, 530, The book that came immediately to my mind when I woke up was the book of Ephesians. And so I looked up in Ephesians, and, and the, have I said this to you before? I haven't. I didn't think that I had, because I was hoping I, I hadn't told you about this. It was only about a year ago um, or so. So <coughs> Ephesians 5 and verse 30 says this incredible thing. Ah, it went right to the beginning. Right. It says, I'll just back up to verse 29 because it helps to have context. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. 4, verse 30 says, For we are members of his body. And I read that and I thought, Ow, that's the bus I missed. Right, thank you, Lord. I missed the bus of we're members of his body. So then I got terribly excited. I thought, what? what's the next bus that's coming? Chapter 6, verse 20. And this is what this says. It took me a little while to kind of get it. Months, actually. And he goes, <coughs> verse 19 of chapter 6, Ephesians 6, verse 19 says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains. That's kind of a tough gig, sorry, just to put it in there, ambassador in chains. I don't know if you know, ambassadors are actually supposed to be able to travel, sorry. Um, <laughs> ambassador in chains, and he says, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So, what on earth do those two scriptures have to do with each other? Why would God be waking me up with this dream from a man called Issachar with very white teeth? And I thought about it for a while and I realized, okay, I've missed something. And I don't think that it's just a bus. I think I have missed a journey of understanding. But the good news was that the next bus was coming, and it was going to the same destination point. So I would have another experience at it. But this time around, it would be understanding why on earth you would be members of one body. What's the point? Have you ever looked at your body and thought, what's the point of this? <laughs> Especially those of us that are getting a bit older. You get a little bit disheartened. You know, what's the point? Gravity is cruel. You know, it doesn't make you smile, does it? It's actually challenging your face. <laughs> I'm trying to make you smile. All right, so <laughs> I just realized today, I had a revelation at the piano that we had the Jubilee, we could have gone to that lunch. I got so excited. <laughs> I'm like, we're good for something. We're 50s, yay, I'm going to lunch. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to be on an airplane. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the point of this dream, I am still unraveling it. Every time I go back to it, I see something else. And that is the nature of God speaking to us by his spirit. When in Acts chapter 2, when Peter stands up and he says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But actually, what that you're seeing, this is that which was spoken about in Joel. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if you go to jo- the book of Joel and you look at that, and it speaks about, the, he said, in the last days, the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. What is that? The whole bang shoodle, everything, all the peoples, on all flesh, every tribe, every tongue, every nationality, every color, all the genders. Because we, we thought there were only two, but there are lots apparently. <laughs> all of that, on all flesh. Every kind of identification. Yep, you qualify to have the Spirit actually baptize you. Let me propose that that's the only way you can really get people to come good, is by the baptism of the Spirit. Because when you actually tell someone you belong, then they can get healed. It's very hard to kind of say, no, you stay out. (laughs) You can only come inside the body when you're healed. Well, that's weird. That's like saying we're antibody. Just a point. Now, moving on. Um, You're members of one body. That kind of shatters every mindset in my head. Because if I am a member of a body, it means, A, I'm not the most important thing. That's happening. I know, it's profound. (laughs) (laughs) But it also means that anything that I'm going through is probably something that somebody's going through, somebody some member of the body next to me. And God wants us to live by face recognition. That we don't identify people to our preconceived ideas, but to face recognition. That Christ actually gave them access into his house. And because he gave them access, they could potentially be my family members. And how do I know when they're exactly going to become my family members? Well, you don't really know. What if we treated everyone as though they were members, not of our church, but of our body? I don't know about you, that my brain, there's a, f- there's a power kind of, there's a power board in my brain, and sometimes it just goes, power failure. This is too much, right? We have power failure. Do you know why we need more baptisms? To actually get us to the place where we can cope with revelation and we don't have power failures. And we actually go, actually, my heart board, my power board can actually cope with any kind of person and being a member of his body. This morning during the worship, I had an unusual vision while we were singing and I sat down and I thought, that was really strange. Out of every person was, as you're walking about and going about your day in, this, in the weeks to come, there was a hand stretched out coming out of your bodies. It kind of looked odd. But I felt the Lord say, he says, I'm, I'm shaking hands through every single p- member of this body. I'm shaking hands with people. And it was before you even greeted people, the hand of the Lord was stretching out to reach out and hold somebody else's hand. And I feel like Holy Spirit is busting to get out. We always want him to come in. I think we only realize what we have when it's coming out. Because when you know that you've made contact with someone, they look at you with the eyes of, oh, this cannot possibly be just you. This has to be something more. Do you remember Moses when he said, how will Pharaoh know that it's 
that it's you. He's just going to be looking at me. And he says, I will show you my glory. I will show you my goodness. The disciples, when Jesus was going, said, if you're leaving, what are you leaving us with? He said, wait in Jerusalem until you have received power from on high. Now, I propose this, that once power has arrived, I want to know what are we going to do with that power? What bus have I missed? And where on earth are we going? Now, in this dream, we were going to the opera house, which doesn't exist where I lived, obviously. The old main road, I had to cross it because the old main is the old covenant. When they crossed the Jordan, they went from the old into a new way that God had provided. It was no longer just business as usual. When we have Holy Spirit, it's no longer business as usual. He said, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. My sons and my daughters, they will prophesy. My, the old men will have dream dreams and the young men will have vision. My sons and my daughters will prophesy. So what is this? Is this an, are we preaching about, it's only going to be about prophecy? What happened to those people when they received power from on high? They went out, stumbling out, hands first, and people were catching them by their hands, and they were shaking hands with Holy Spirit. They didn't realize it. And they were saying, what has happened to these guys? They're not drunk as you suppose, but the Holy Spirit has been poured out on them, and they were speaking the wonders of God in all the different types of languages. In other words, everybody that was there was able to hear something cognitively, was able to have translated to them the goodness of God, they were tasting for the first time an experience of God that they had come to Jerusalem for. They just didn't know it would come in the package of a human person who was looked drunk. If somebody was really drunk and came to you and spoke to you in a language, if you spoke a foreign language, would you listen to that? Or would you say, oh my gosh, we don't do that. Oh, I'm not so sure about this. <laughs> Or would you recognize him? If Jesus came dressed up as somebody that you think wouldn't belong in church, would you recognize him? He says, whatever you do to the least of my brothers, you do to me. Jesus, when were you in jail? Only... Prisoners who've done things wrong are in jail. But I believe God is reaching out of us all, saying, when you love somebody else, I'm loving them. Yeah. When you're touching somebody else's life, when you go to a cafe and you just look at the person next to you and you think, for no other reason other than, I've just had this wild thought to just pay for their meal. And you stretch out and before you know what you've done, you've just tapped it. It's getting so easy to pay for people. Have you noticed? You just, you just take them by surprise. You can't do it with Christians anymore because they know. They see your hand going. They don't. They fight. Christians fight now over who has to pay. I hope it's still the case. Anyway, we do. I've attacked people. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> they find out you're Christian. They go, why are you fighting? I don't know, because it was my turn to pay this time. It's very, very embarrassing. <laughs> but you can actually pay for people's things. You know, if you pay for somebody's meal, Jesus has just come to their life. 
Maybe you didn't get a chance to tell them the four spiritual laws, which I don't know. It's not the point. They've just met Jesus. They've just met Holy Spirit. I believe that we're prophesying with acts of kindness. I believe that we're reaching out to people by just saying, hey, I noticed you bending down and looking after your child there. I just want to tell you, you're an incredible mother. I've had mothers weeping in the street. They said, I don't think I'm a great mother at all. I'm so tired. And I said, I know tired. I know that creature. I said, but your love is greater than tired. And your love is greater than tired. And your love is greater than your pain. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God is enthroned in the midst of the praise that you raise up in the middle of your pain. Holy Spirit does a dance above your head every time you lift up your hands and you say, Oh, Jesus, you're worth more than everything I'm going through. Oh, Jesus, I didn't realize that we were members of one body. And if one member hurts, the other members feel it. If you've lost a child, I've lost a child. And that can be very exhausting, people. In the past, we've seen pastors break down because they cannot know one couple can cope with that kind of stress. But when you all carry the pastor's heart, how, how great can the heart of God be for a region? In our area, we've had 22 churches closed down. 22. We've seen leaders come and go. We've seen them destroyed by the city, by the needs, by the unbelievable unkindness. Sydney's the most phenomenal city, but spiritually it's had some really funky things go on. I've had people sit me down. I, I've had, I, I wouldn't want to repeat the things they've said to us as they leave. They've lanced us like we were kind of like, like they're you know, beaching whales. And I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for us, but I'm just trying to tell you the spiritual climate isn't always pro-believers. And sometimes you think that the devil's waiting out there. No, the devil comes to church to convince you that you are a good for nothing and that your voice doesn't count and that your love is not enough. It's just the people in the front. I'm telling you something. Your heart is the biggest heart that God needs for the people that you touch that nobody else can. Nobody else can. Nobody will visit your family. They don't even know you have a family. But when you become members of one body and you understand, wow, so-and-so is having a struggle. We're having a struggle. Why don't we create a prayer line over this kind of situation? What would happen? Like we've got a thing going on now. We pray for all the HSC students because we've had, I don't know how many. Since we've been in Sydney, there have been suicides. Man, when we first arrived, there were four young girls that committed suicide just over HSC. Four. 16-year-olds. And you think... 17-year-old, 18-year-old. What are they doing that for? What the heck? What is in the city? And we began to do a prayer watch. And we told people, obviously HSC is a big deal in the city. We don't know why people are doing this. I don't even know if you have this here. But they'd go to the gap and jump off. You know, we found out years later that they took all the Aboriginal people and chained them. And they took them to the gap and pushed them off the edge. And so the spirits keep speaking. Evil spirits go, yeah, come on. Jump off this edge. This is where we destroyed the, the original tribes. <laughs> and we as the church don't have to go after a suicide spirit. We have to just look out for the members of the body and say, hey, members of the body, you're all feeling the stress? We're going to pray for the schools. 
We're going to lift up every school that no HSC student should feel the urge to jump off the edge. We don't have to pull down any. We just go, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. He has anointed us to do good works. What's the good works? We're coming to HSC time. We're all praying, people. Come on. And that's what you, and you find out what you do, and you become the members of the body that your region needs. And in your own family, you do that to a degree. And your own body is doing the same thing for you. Because if you cut yourself outside, and you go outside and you just cut an orange or a tomato, and your hand starts to bleed, you don't look at that and go, oh, cool, look at that. And you start dripping and drawing on the floor. No, that would be weird, right? Your whole body is saying, that's weird. Don't do that. That's what happens when you gossip, by the way. But your whole body actually goes, help. Let's send these little cells to you. And plasma forms. And all of a sudden, your whole body is saying, alert. You shouldn't be bleeding. That stuff needs to stay inside. Incredible how intelligent your body is. Imagine if all the members of the body were as intelligent as your human body. I think you all underestimate yourselves. You're extraordinarily, magnificently made in the image of God. And he's building a house out of people. (laughs) What a grand design. Wouldn't you like to see the finish? Let's have a look at what it was before. Oh, dear God. You know what it was like before? It was a body that no one could recognize. It said he was marred beyond recognition. That was the before. The after is a magnificent body that looks out for one another and that prays for each other, saying that you may be ambassadors of this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That you may go out and that you may stretch your hand out. Before you even stretch your hand out, he's already reaching out to others, saying, this is my beloved. This is my beloved. I'm well pleased with him. But God, they're disgustingly dirty and they're doing stuff. Oh, but they're my beloved. I want to baptize them now. I want to wash them clean. And if you don't accept them, nobody else will. How can you have gays in your church? Well, if you don't have them, who the heck will? Well, if you don't reach out to those prostitutes, we have some people that you think, oh, and they worship right in the front and they have little skirts. And sometimes they come in and they just wear underwear in the wrong place, you know. They forgot some stuff. But if you don't love them, who will? We want people to come into church, but maybe we need to unchurch the exterior. And we need to understand that if we don't accept them, they can't come into the body. If you won't reach out to them, why would you want to bring them to a building? What sense does that make? If you won't have them in your home, don't bring them here. You want them to come to church, bring them into your home. That's scary. That is scary. People find out that you have people at your home. Word gets around. Anglicans get to hear about it. (laughs) And, and, And some people left our church because we had rainbow flags. Because they said, look what you're teaching the children. I'm like, what are we teaching the children? You know, the rainbow. The rainbow. I'm like, the rainbow is God's covenant. 
no, not in Sydney. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? I'm going to teach the children that you can't wave a rainbow. I'm like, this is what religion has done to people. Oh, it's, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the most magnificent person that you will ever have living inside of you. He's bigger than you, and if you're ever struggling, he knows it first. In Hebrews 5, it speaks about those who have trained themselves in righteousness. That word trained is the word gymnazo, which you have a gymnasium right here, right? Behind. You see, I'm great with directions. And there it is, in the middle of it all. And the word gymnazo actually means to be, to train naked, which wouldn't be appropriate there. But before you go there, it's good that you laugh because actually, <laughs> actually, the members of your body, none of your members in your body are afraid of your nakedness. They're very comfortable. In other words, the vulnerability with which we live, with which we get trained, that actually underneath all our coverings, God knows exactly how magnificent we are and how wonderfully and fearfully we've been made. And there is no more shame, there is no more cover-up. And therefore, for people that want to come into our lives, there should be no shame and no cover-up for them either. So if we train ourselves openly, our lives laid bare, and not afraid that people actually get to know us, not even get to know our weaknesses, and we don't get afraid that our houses are not so tidy, or that things aren't perfect, or that we started service late, or that dinner wasn't the best dinner, and that we just love people well. Honestly, people, I just think that Issachar is a tribe and a name that means I've come to pay back. Part of Issachar's name is recompense. I've come to pay back. And if it's payback time, the only way he's going to get his reward is if we just go out, reach out, and get more in. So I've got something that we're going to hand out to everybody. Hun, can you get the admit, admit one? Inside my bag, there's a roll. We're going to try and hopefully get as, as many as we can. Just wave the admit one. <laughs> if somebody comes to mind right now, you can either write their names on the back. You don't have to give it to them, obviously. But if somebody comes to mind, there's going to be somebody in your life this week that you are, you're actually giving admission into your life. You might be going through a struggle. You might want to share your struggle with them. It is incredible how your struggle is probably their struggle. If the person is coming to mind, that's somebody that the Holy Spirit wants to come on. That's some flesh that the Holy Spirit wants to touch. That is a member of his body. So I just want us to... Can we just pray for them right now? And if they don't have a name yet and you cannot think of who they are, Holy Spirit will show you this week. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you came to pour out your own spirit and your own personality and your own wisdom, your glory, your honor, your beauty on all flesh, on all tribes, on all nationalities. And we thank you for this magnificent nation that has so many nationalities in it. 
We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are so good at pouring yourself out on all flesh. And right now, whether we have a name on our mind or not, we lift up this person to you. And we thank you that they are members of your body, potentially, God. That there is somebody that you've put on our heart and mind. And we ask that the kingdom of heaven would come to them through us. That we would be able to reach out to them and give them admission into our lives. That we would not hide from them, but that would be open about our lives and that we open our hearts and our lives to them even our homes and holy spirit we thank you that if it's not appropriate to open our homes to them that they would know that you're reaching out to them and giving them admission and freedom to come in just as they are and we just thank you holy spirit that you took us just as we are and today we honor you and we love you with these little pink tickets and we say god one by one one by one they will come in one by one they will come into the body thank you for this magnificent house that you're building called the body of christ thank you holy spirit that you've chosen us to reach out and to be your hands to the rest of this beautiful beautiful place thank you holy spirit in jesus name amen I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.